I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why, that's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code. I'm here on Iconic.com and you're probably watching on BitChute and listening on, um, you'll be on Apple iTunes and a few others, but we've chucked off Spotify as well lately, which was amazing, and then put back on and then chucked off again. So um, very bizarre. But I'm here with my good friend, Wayne McCroy. He's written a couple of fantastic books. Now guys, I've done a lot of the research over the last sort of 10 years into the conspiracy world, but until you understand the motivations and the belief systems and why these people do what they do, you're none the wiser to understand why these people are completely batshit crazy. Um, and you would be too, probably, if you were steeped in a lot of this stuff from an early childhood. So, guys, Wayne is one of the guys that talks about the alchemical um, element of this that most people don't talk about and why these people believe what they believe in the esotericness. His, his books, The Alchemical Tech Revolution, is incredible. Um, I, I guarantee you guys go and get that one and then move on to um, his second book, which was out about a year ago, I believe, Cybernetic Messiah, which we'll talk about today. So, Wayne, thank you for taking the time to come and speak on the show. I really appreciate your time, mate. Well, thanks for having me on again, Richard. It's been a while since we talked. And actually, uh, Cybernetic Messiah is my third book. I do have a second book out there you might not be aware of. It's called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. I do. uh, Yep. Sorry. No, I missed that one. Yeah, I do that one. And I know you've you've got uh, one of your children is autistic. Is that I believe? Actually, three of them are autistic. So uh, it's a very personal subject for me. And uh, there's a lot of ties there to the whole transhumanist philosophy and all of these other things that we'll be unpacking here today that people are probably not aware of. But it is there, I assure you. I've looked into it very deeply. And, uh, you know, the things I say about it, I don't say lightly. It's, it's very research heavy. Uh, I've, I've, you know, cited my sources and stuff like that within my books. So it's, it's, these things are not something I take lightly. And I do go back and I try to find some of the oldest uh, books and stuff I could find from the secret societies and, and various of the, what they would call mystery schools of, of the past. I try to find the very oldest stuff that I can Uh, to try to look at the origins of where a lot of these ideologies and stuff come from. And it all ties back to the occult. And that's what people seem to miss the boat on a lot of times, is all of these different agendas that are going on today, or what you would call the quote-unquote conspiracy theories. All of these things, they all tie back to this occult philosophy. And uh, that that's where, you know, what we'll be talking about primarily today, I think. But all of these ideas, they all tie together. Uh, they could all be traced back to the mystery schools of antiquity. And the mystery schools are what birthed the secret societies of today. Uh, Things like Freemasonry, the Rosicrucians, uh, all these different groups, what you would, quote unquote, the Illuminati, uh, which, by the way, is an actual group that does still exist to this day. But uh, we've kind of used it as a a catch-all term to lump all of that stuff together into one thing. But uh, anyway, all of these secret society groups, they, they practice some of these alchemical or natural sciences, uh, but they practice them in a twisted and perverted type way, a perverse type way. They've taken what the original intention is from it, and they've completely turned it upside down and inverted it completely. And they use it as a, a form of control and manipulation. And they're trying to create um, the total adverse or reverse of the natural order. Uh, They're trying to build a a completely artificial system with this knowledge that they have that they keep from the public uh, so that they're wise to the ways of these old sciences, these ancient natural sciences. 
And they, they use the principles involved with this to manipulate people and control people's minds, essentially. Uh, so that's that's kind of at the core of all this stuff that's going on. And uh, the connections are there in, you know, all the things that are going on medically today as well. So, I mean, uh, we could begin pretty much anywhere. I just kind of wanted to give people an overall introduction as to what the, the crux of a lot of my research covers. It all ties back to the occult origins of many of the things that are going on today. So uh, from there, where would you want to go, Richard? I mean, we could uh, talk about pretty much anything here. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you cover, we're covering probably about 8,000 years worth of stuff. So I think um, the fact is that I think what people need to realize now is what we're seeing now with these mRNA vaccines. That if you can get that in your mind, guys, and go back to something like the Nephilim and have a look at this understanding of changing what it means to be human and usurping god but there are two elements here that can see playing god basically seems to be this thing that we're looping back round for now they've got the great reset the flood these things keep looping around so right now um i think people need we will start off with what do what is alchemical science what what does that mean for anyone who has not understand does not understand what that means at all okay well basically uh these are the old natural sciences that the ancients were very familiar with. It, essentially, it, it studies the workings of nature, how nature works. And the, uh, the whole crux of, of the idea of alchemy is to work within the bounds of natural law and divine law, the, within the bounds of nature, uh, to bring about creation, to work with our creator and with the creation to bring about new life and bring about new things. Now, what has happened through the years is this, uh, these sciences have been perverted by people who uh, have gained positions of power through the use of secrecy by, by keeping knowledge from others. And uh, they've kind of usurped this power and become, um, you know, what we would call the quote unquote ruling class per se. These were the ancient priest kings of old who ruled from behind the veil. And these are, this is the terminology and stuff that they use. So they would control things from behind the scenes and uh, they would use many of these natural sciences, these principles. Young, uh, Carl Jung referred to many of these things as archetypes. And this is very important because this is uh, so ingrained in the human psyche, uh, people don't even realize it's there. This is talking about, uh, you know, different ideas like the Akashic record and various things that tie together, all these old ideas. Carl Jung actually gave them more modern terms. He referred to uh, these things as archetypes like many of these, these ideologies, these ideas, uh, these thought forms, so to say, that people, uh, you know, have that they inherently recognize on an unconscious level, but their conscious mind doesn't really uh, register it per se. Okay, so that, that's kind of what an archetype is. And Jung also came up with the, the terminology, the collective unconscious, which would be, you know, something akin to this Akashic record type idea of the of antiquity. So you see, it, it all stems back from different hermetic philosophy too. Uh, first of all, the, the, uh, the hermetic philosophy, the principle of mentalism, all is mind, all originates from thought and from mind. Uh, so with this idea, you, you could see how the connections can be made. And, and see, these are many of the things that people in positions of power in this world understand very thoroughly that we do not. Uh, if you look back, there's, there's seven basic hermetic principles. And uh, this, this is, you know, just one of the avenues of this alchemical thought or this natural science thought. Um, we kind of lumped together the term alchemy because that describes what the precursors of our modern science are. Uh, much the way, you know, our historians of today 
will look at alchemy and claim that that's the precursor of our modern day chemistry. Well, it's also the precursor of our modern day, what they would call science, uh, but science has been abused. Let's put it that way. The term science and the things that they do with this stuff have been abused. Alchemy is the more pure natural form that's been intended here uh, for use by man to uh, exalt things here, elements here in the natural world. See, alchemy is the science of exalting something, whereas they've taken these ideas and they've perverted them and inverted them and used them for the creation of something artificial that butts against nature, doesn't work with nature, works against nature. So they've used the antithesis of this to garner control of things because they understand how these systems work. So they manipulate people's minds in ways they don't realize using these archetypal ideas. And uh, we could explore more of this avenue of thought, especially as it, it pertains to the human mind because everything emanates from mind and from thought. And that's the thing, the battlegrounds in your mind. See, that, that's the whole thing going on right now. We're, we're fighting a different kind of war now than what we would expect. World War III is not fought with weapons, folks. It's with the use of information. It's information warfare. It's psychological warfare. It's the war for your mind. And that's what's been going on in our modern society right now. They're using these ideas to warp people's minds and to capture people's minds. Uh, and they, they do this in a lot of different subtle ways that we don't pick up on on the conscious level. But your unconscious mind picks up the archetypes and these ideologies that they put out there because it understands it's something inherent. And this would be called epigenetic memory uh, in modern parlance here, uh, like the memory of your ancestors. If you look back through occultic works and stuff like that, they've talked about this stuff like through of all the ages, like they, they understand your ancestors, they had an important role, they, that, you know, some of their knowledge and their wisdom could come forward to you. And, you know, this Akashic record idea exists, and this kind of thing. And it all ties back to some of these hermetic philosophies or alchemical philosophies, and sciences. So that's the thing they've, they've taken some of these ideas, and they've abused them to gather more power and control for themselves, these, this ruling class. Uh, what we would call the the priest kings behind the veil, okay? That's kind of what they think of themselves as. They they see themselves as having the divine right to rule because they belong to special family bloodlines. And we could touch a little on that later mm. too, if you'd like, because there, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, a lot of times I don't know where to begin because uh, with all the different shows and stuff I do and people I talk to, everybody's kind of at different levels. So I don't want to be talking over people's heads. So I, I try to keep it as simple as I can going in, but uh, there's a lot of complex ideas that start to come out as we unfold the conversation here forward. So, uh, you know, did you have any like more specific questions? I, I hope I hit upon what you were asking there, at least a little. Well, that, that sets it up to, to people to understand that in fundamentally there's a science that's not being being used and it's been been taken over and been hidden of a way the world the natural world works and there's two things going on here there's a natural world and there's priest class or call them the black nobility at the moment call them this bloodline whatever your name you want to call them they've kept this information from the self and that's how they're manipulating the world and their aim is to usurp god or play god or try and be god and then we're seeing this transhumanist agenda at the moment technology wise and that's where we come into the into the cybernetics messiah part of it later on the alchemical tech revolution which is, is the show and the, and, the, and the basically the show that you do yourself so this priest class so the priest class for me are my understanding it was the roman empire that is now the vatican 
that sort of, am I in the right ballpark there? Uh, that's one facet of the priest class. Now, if you go back to the very furthest point back that we could look, okay, uh, what they do, a lot of people in the secret societies, they tell uh, this uh, story, okay, the, the mythology of how this all came about. And uh, a lot of what they teach is called the Luciferian philosophy, all right? So uh, what the viewpoint of the people in the mystery schools is, or, you know, in these secret societies, the story they tell is... What happened is one day, man, all of a sudden, became self-aware, all right? Uh, He was given the gift of intellect, and this would be from Prometheus, or Lucifer, so to say. Uh, He was given this gift. So the story goes that uh, one day, ancient man, he was uh, just doing, going about trying to gather food and try to survive because it was a very hostile world, and he saw a bolt of lightning fall from heaven and hit a tree and catch the tree branch on fire. So through some experimentation and and through time, he learned how to keep the fire burning. And with the fire, fire became the tool of this man. And he was able to keep a fire lit at night to keep away the predators. And he became very important in society because he was the only one who knew how to keep the fire burning or start the fire. And because of that, he gained a special place in the, the primitive society. And he was the first priest king. Okay, so it was the gift of fire and fire represents the intellect. He was given intellectual uh, gifts from Prometheus. He was given the gift of intellect. And their uh, viewpoint is that man will become God through the use of this gift given him by Prometheus, the gift of intellect. And that's pretty much the, you know, the, the core of where this comes from. So they say that this, this first man who learned how to control the fire uh, he became very important in society. He became the boss, okay? He ruled the society because he had all the power. He had the knowledge, see? He was the only one that knew how to light the fire, so everybody had to come to him to know this. So he selectively picked the people that he would teach this science to or this art to, how to do this, this knowledge, see? And this is how the line of succession through the secret societies has been handed down today. It's oral tradition handed from teacher to student one-on-one in a verbal capacity. Uh, They do write some stuff down periodically, but they do that in what they call an esoteric form. Whereas the surface meaning would be pretty much meaningless to the average person reading it. It would look like it would be a story. It would be an allegory. And if you didn't understand the symbolism, you wouldn't pick up what the true meaning was. So that's how they, they put things down in written form now. But this tradition has continued up until this day in the secret societies where it's given from teacher to student uh, this secret knowledge, what they would call the the knowledge of the, the secrets of the ages, uh, handed down from teacher to student uh, through this secret priestcraft, right? This, this priest class, this priest king class behind the veil. And these would be your royal family bloodlines, okay, that they, they talk about all the time or however you want to do that. So this moved forward through history and eventually these different ideas, you know, built upon one another. Uh, he learned different ways how to control people using the secret knowledge that he had, see, this, this priest king. And moving forward through time, they learned more methods for controlling people and uh, more of these scientists because they, they were the priest class. They lived easy. They lived good, see, because they, they had all the other people would work for them because they were the only ones that knew the secrets. So in order for these people to survive, they had to do what this uh, 
priest king told them. So they would do whatever their job was. And the priest king lived luxuriously. So he had time to do more experimentation and to find out how things work more. So he was able to use this knowledge that he had to acquire more knowledge. And he kept a lot of that knowledge hidden from the rest of the people so that he had something to leverage over them for control, see? And this is kind of how it had come forward through time. Now it's a bit more sophisticated than that here, but that's kind of the allegory, the story that they tell within the secret society groups. This is what happened, you see. So this is how the priest king class came about. And they view themselves in the secret societies as the keepers of this knowledge of the ages, the wisdom of the ages, see? And uh, that's why they have all the secrecy they do. They meet in secret, have their secret handshakes and all that. And uh, you don't really get initiated into the secrets until you rise above the, the level above Master Mason, which would be like the cutoff point for people. That's what they call the Blue Lodge in Masonry is the first three degrees. Uh, the third degree is Master Mason. And most pe people that join the Masons never progress beyond that point. But there are degrees above that. And this is where they recruit from. Uh, if anybody's interested in occult science or, or a lot of these things, they'll go to higher degrees within Freemasonry and learn many of these secrets, these quote unquote secrets. Uh, so that's just one example of a secret society, how it works. They all work pretty much on the same basic model, whereas um, some, you know, higher class person within someone higher with a higher initiation or a higher degree uh, has more knowledge than the underlings underneath. And they they promote from within, uh, you know, and they, they do so in a lot of nefarious ways because they make you take blood oaths and stuff to join these, these different uh, fraternities, so to say. But this is kind of where the idea came from. And then moving forward through time, what had happened is these became what was called the mysteries in ancient times, this secret knowledge, the mysteries. So they, they started a lot of what they would call mystery religions. So these religions, these religious ideals were based upon the teachings of these people from the priestcraft, okay, who were holding back knowledge from the masses, but they they uh, put forward some of the knowledge in what they would say as a symbolic or an allegorical form, and they they personified different aspects of nature. And this is where you get the gods of mythology and stuff like that. See, the ancient peoples they're they're not as dumb as uh, we play them off to be. They weren't out there really literally worshiping all of this stuff as, as different gods per se. Some of them probably were, yeah, but I mean, for the, the vast majority, they understood this is an allegory. It's a personification of some portion of nature. Uh, whereas, you know, what we view today, we, we think of them as being backwards, but they really understood how the natural world works much better than we do because of this. And this is where like all the mythologies and stuff arise. So this came to uh, find what they would call the perfection of the mysteries in ancient Egypt, okay, the Egyptian kingdom. And, uh, you know, from Egypt, it moved forward through time, this underground stream, so to say, of occult knowledge uh, through the secret priestcraft, moved forward to different places within the world stage, to the Greeks, and then eventually over to the Romans. And then from the Romans, it was transmuted into the Vatican, which went out and conquered the world, so to say, essentially. So uh, the Vatican is a big part of what we would call this, this control system, uh, whether people want to acknowledge that or not, because they're, they're, it's all the same thing at the topmost levels, all these secret societies. The Vatican, in a sense, is a secret society 
of its own in the way that it operates. And even right now, our current Pope is a Jesuit. So that should be telling for people too. But this is how they, they kind of move the power structure forward. And that's, that's kind of uh, a very basic um, and quick description of how it came about. So, yeah, guys, there's a little things to add to that. Like um, Dr. Fauci, he's a Jesuit. And there's many Jesuits that are involved with this current COVID madness. Um, Bill Gates' wife, Melinda, she went, she did two Jesuit classes. She, she took two subjects at a Jesuit school and all boys Jesuit schools. So read into that one what you like. And um, these guys are are everywhere. So you, you, you talked about these um, mystical religions. Um, I believe that you, you, you used the term that maybe I got that wrong. Um, what were they? What were they? Were there names for these mystical religions, these states, or was it like Gnosticism, anything like that? Where did this? It, the, yeah, these were the the mystery schools of antiquity, or the mystery religions they were known as. Like you have the illusion, Eleusian mysteries, or the Bacchic mysteries. It, you've, you could hear some of those terms used in describing some of these uh, mythological gods of antiquity, like Baal, uh, you know, Dionysus, the Dionysian uh, mysteries, all of these things. So what had happened is, is various factions of these priest kings would set up shop, so to say. They would set up a religious system or a religious structure worshiping one of these gods, and only the highest initiates in the priestcraft of that religion would be told the truth about what the mysteries were. What you know, Only when they were initiated in would they be told the truth about what this is. And you know, it was mostly about acquiring power and wealth. Uh, through the use of this from the the masses. So at the core, all of these mystery religions of the past, it was the same inner circle of these, what we would call the priest kings that were running the show with all of these different religions. See, all these different, uh, uh, what we would call pagan religions back in antiquity. Okay, so uh, this is kind of how it got its start. It found its perfection in the Egyptian uh, kingdom uh, with, uh, you know, the Egyptian gods, the Egyptian mythology. Uh, this kind of was gave a, a very broad, um, what we would call an, I don't know, like a, a diagram, I guess, of the different archetypes, because all the Egyptian gods and the Egyptian mythos are all represented in all of these other mythologies. It's it, They're just di- represented under different names. So that's what I mean. These people, these priest king class went throughout different parts of the world, set up these own little religious structures, and only the names changed. But it's all the same basic things that went on with this at these different places. And, uh, you know, it was all the same mysteries at the top of the priestcraft that were being explored and studied by the initiates of the priestcraft within uh, those different individual religions, so to say. But uh, so that's basically how it came about. And eventually they wanted to try to centralize everything. And they wound up doing that through the advent of the Vatican by merging all of these different pagan religions and absorbing them into Christianity. And that's what they did at the Vatican. And this I refer to in my book is they what they did was they took two different forms of what we would call governance. Okay, they took the religious governance, which was all of these these mystery religions, and they took the the state form of governance, which would be the statecraft, the empire. Okay, they took the idea of empire and they merged it together with the idea of religion. All right, and they they combined these two things together to form what is now the bat the vatican okay so when the the roman empire fell so is this the alchemical wedding 
this is an alchemical wedding, right? It's an alchemical wedding of what we, the priest craft with the state craft. Okay. So they, they combine these two things together and merge them together. And what this looked like outwardly to, uh, you know, our historians and stuff today, it looked like the fall of the pagan religions and the fall of Rome. See, the Roman Empire fell, all the pagan religions fell. But what actually happened is the two were merged and combined together into the Vatican. And this became a grand control structure for this priestcraft, this secret priestcraft. And uh, they, they used this uh, alchemical idea of the alchemical wedding and they abused it. See, that's the thing. This is one of the, the areas where they perverted these ideas, what their original intent was. So they took this alchemical wedding concept and they used this archetype to develop this system that we're in now. See where they went out, they, they used the Vatican as the, the, uh, the catalyst for going out to conquer the world and combine together all of these ideologies into one thing, into one system of governance. See in governance, there is a, a, a difference between governance and government. Government is like an official body, so to say. It's an officialdom thing. Governance uses many different facets to steer the behaviors of people. And so this is what they did. They've they um, used an alchemical principle called exaltation. All right. They misused that that principle where, see, we as human beings. We could only create out of what's already naturally here, what nature provides, what God put here, our creator, what our creator put here. But we can take what God made and we can exalt that. See, that's something that's inherent in mankind and inherent in the idea of alchemy. You could take something that's here and make it into something greater in a sense, okay? So that's what this idea of exaltation is. You could step it up to the next level from what it is. So they took this idea and they abused it to turn this system of governance into an exalted system of governance. And boy, they, they, they conquered the world pretty much, didn't they? If you look at the history of uh, how the Vatican came about. So they took the fall of Rome and the fall of paganism. They exalted them in this alchemical wedding and turned it into this all-conquering uh, type of governance. And that's kind of how the foundations of what's going on today were formed. And now they seem to be creeping out from the shadows. So is this their kind of, is it that, is this their kind of coming out party in, in a sense, because it's so obvious now and people don't even need to, to understand all these levels to see that something's going on. We're obviously on a, in the tip of, or towards the end of a transhumanist agenda here with these vaccines um, quite clearly transhumanism. I think there's two things going on here. My, and I've spoken to John Brisson about this and I'd like to get your take on it as a Christian as well. Um, and we'll talk about how Christianity goes alongside it as well. Um, and I, I don't mean like the, the, the Vatican, of what their the, their version of it, because um, this is all new to me, and I'm learning all this stuff as I go along. Um, but there seems to be this new age agenda, and there seems to be this new world order, or uh, new world order agenda. There's a technocracy, but there seems to be this new age agenda that also is a transhumanist agenda, as in you can be God or you can be the next God. There both seems to be a usurped version of a God. Either you become more than human, godlike, or you become altogether one but your god 
collectively. There seems to be the same themes in both of these. You see what I mean? It kind of the one that seems to be the brave new world soft option, and the other one seems to be the technocracy nineteen eighty four jackboot option. But they're both kind of both principles are transhumanist. Absolutely, and that's a hundred percent what's going on today. See where this all comes from is they they took uh, a lot of these older ideas, these older philosophies, uh, what we would call this new age uh, type religion or new age philosophy that they're pushing. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. It's just presenting it in form of duality. This is how they do things. It's a Hegelian control system. Uh, so likely how it's going to play out will be somewhere sort of in the middle when they they do uh, try to uh, uh, get, a, get away with uh, doing this transhumanist thing. But uh, the whole point behind it is they're invoking these ancient alchemical archetypes. See, they're, they're doing that, but they've perverted them into something uh, very much different, very unnatural, okay? It doesn't go with the natural order of things, doesn't work along with nature. And uh, they've inverted the science of alchemy, this ancient science, and now they call it something different. Now they call it cybernetics, okay? Because it's become the system of control. And uh, this is what they're, they're doing with it. They're trying to completely invert the natural order. And that goes for everything. That's, you know, it's, it's actually, it's a philosophy of death. Let's put it that way. This is the people, uh, these are the people that run the world. It, it's kind of like a death cult. They, they elevate death ideas or death-based ideas rather than, you know, exalting life-based ideas. That's why abortion is such a big thing. That's why they're, they're pushing uh, these uh, vaccines and stuff right now that they know, they know full well what they're for. Uh, I don't want to mince words. Uh, are you putting this on YouTube or anything here, Richard? No, I'm banned off YouTube already. So you can say what you like. Okay, man, that's that's fine. Uh, essentially, these vaccines, in my view, from all the research I've done, it looks to me like it's all just a eugenics-based depopulation weapon, mm. a bioweapon. That's that's exactly in my view, what they've done with this, they've, they've turned it into a eugenics-based weapon uh, to depopulate, okay? So that's why they're pushing this so hard. It's, it's a death cult mentality at the top most levels of the power structure because nature abhors that, okay? Uh, nature's about renewal and rebirth, not about death or these death-based ideas. Does death occur in nature? Yes, it does but it's all cyclical. And see, this is another archetypal idea or alchemical idea that they leverage off of. Everything runs in cycles. Uh, this is another hermetic principle. It's, it's uh, um, the principle of um, rhythm, the hermetic principle of rhythm. All these things come in cycles and they, they know the seasons and the cycles. They watch the sky clock very closely. That's why they try to poo-poo the idea of astrology and stuff like that too in the modern age. Uh, there's there's definitely a very real power that they could leverage from that stuff, from knowing the times and the seasons. And that's also why they jack up our clocks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're on uh, what they call daylight savings time here in the U.S. right now, where, you know, you turn your back, your clocks back an hour and then later in the year, you turn them ahead an hour. It, it's like it's it's ridiculous. There's no real reason for it. All it does is jack up the time so that you don't know when it's true noon in a day's time. When it's true noon in nature, you would know because the sun's directly overhead. It's like <laughs> straight up there. Uh, and that would be high noon, what was known as high noon. Well, we don't have that anymore. We just go by what it says on the clock. And it completely removes us from the natural world. 
See, that's one of the reasons why time is such a binding structure in our reality, because, you know, we're bound to this clock, this artificial clock. See, it removes us from nature. So it gets us far removed from a lot of these natural ideologies and uh, puts us on the path of the artificial, which is exactly what they're all about. It's uh, how, how does Michael Hoffman refer to it? Um, it's the reign of dead matter. That's that's how Michael Hoffman refers to it. And for those who don't know, Michael Hoffman back uh, 20 plus years ago wrote a book called uh, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. And that's a classic for people to pick up and read to understand because he had a lot of key insights into the, the psyche of these people in control. And he just recently put out a new book called Twilight Language, which I can't recommend enough if you're interested in you know this type of thing with these occult sciences. He understood very well what they were talking about, but he refers to this as the quote unquote reign of dead matter, reign being spelled R-E-I-G-N for anybody who's interested in that, the reign of dead matter. And this actually lines up completely with uh, what we would call the transhumanist movement or the transhumanist ideology. Okay, same thing. He just calls it something different. And I, I think it's a, a brilliant observation or a brilliant, uh, um, you know, phrase that he uses to describe it. Because that's what this, you know, control controlling structure that's in place right now in our society is. It's all based upon death-based ideas. Okay. So that being the case, they're not about uh, the renewal of life or trying to uh, make life better. They're all about stern control. It's about control, not so much about freedom, about control. It's the opposite of natural ideas, you see, because nature, nature functions in the way that it does, and they can't control that. They could only control aspects of that when they actually lock it into an artificially based thing or an artificially based system. So that's why they've been doing all the things they've been doing through these years now for the past several decades that we could see. The chemtrailing in the skies, the geoengineering programs that they're now admitting. This is all part of it because, see, they, they've got to transform the atmosphere into something totally the antithesis of nature or the way the natural world works in order to get their system in place that they want because it's about total inversion of the entire world and it starts with the human mind, but it also wants, they want it to reflect in the world itself at large. All these things, they want to merge it with the digital. They want to merge what is inherently the physical with what they would call the digital world into this uh, augmented reality type system. And that's what they're working towards with this transhumanist goal. So it, it goes beyond just, uh, you know, man merging his mind with machine. They're trying to... Uh, Bring the whole world into the system, all of nature too, all of the natural order. So that's why they do a lot of the things that they do. It's funny you just men mentioned a couple of things here. I mean, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, but couple, just before I move on to that, the, you mentioned daylight saving time. Um, the funny thing is my great-great-great-granddad is called Willet Time. It genuinely is my great-great-granddad who came up with the concept or, or you was put forward with the concept of that in early 1900s and it's bizarre that connection with me and chris martin of coldplay is also his great 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 granddad as well and we looked into that so i have a real connection with that here and i wonder why sometimes i'm drawn to this work because 
it feels like I was always drawn to this sort of thing. And I do, there's an odd connection here with the daylight saving time. And when you mentioned that, I heard it put it that way before, but it makes sense messing around with the clocks as well. And um, just wanted to put it out there because it is a genuine connection, guys. It's called Willet Time. Very bizarre connection I have in my family with that. Um, I wanted to talk about the next, you mentioned it, I watched your recent video on Noah and the flood. It seems that that came about because of this Nephilim, this hybrid mistake, like this, this abomination. Now, if this transhuman agenda happens, you, know, you said in the video that that would never happen again, a floodlight situation. That seems to be, if you create these abominations, they're not quite human, these next generations of kids, 20, 30 years down the line, and they've been born with this mRNA lipid nanoparticles connecting together in the body. Would that not be them trying to repeat something from the past like that? to create a different type of human being, a hybrid human, but now with technology, as opposed to hybridization to, and say, another race. But if they believe they are the descendants of Cain, the Cain bloodline and Nephilim, are they not trying to repeat that through technology now? Absolutely, that's what they're trying to do. And, and maybe, uh, you know, you misinterpreted what I was saying. Uh, it says in the Bible, very clearly, God has promised never to destroy the world again with a, a worldwide flood ever again. Now, the next time it happens, uh, it says in no, you know, unambiguous terms that the world will be destroyed with fire. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so that being the case, it's not to say they're, they're not going to try this. And that's, that is exactly the archetype that they're trying to uh, uh, leverage off of is that Nephilim archetype. It's the same thing going on today. They're creating these chimeric uh, type uh, biotechnologies uh, that they plan on trying to merge with the human being and change the genetics. So when you go back and, and this, this ties back, like you were alluding to the story of Cain and Abel, uh, when you, when you go back in the biblical lore, and if you go back through the ancient, uh, into the, like the oldest writings in these secret societies, what many of them actually teach in these secret societies is that they are what they would call the sons of Cain. Okay. And what they believe is that, uh, in the garden of Eden, when God created Adam and he created Eve and uh, it says in the Bible, how uh, Eve begat Cain. Well, what they teach in these secret societies is that Eve mated with a fallen angel named Samael and begat Cain. And uh, then she also had Abel who was begat from Adam. Okay. So uh, Samael, the fallen angel is said in these secret societies to be the father of Cain. So he has what they would call a semi-divine bloodline. And that's where the whole bloodline idea comes from. And that's why they think they have the divine right to rule. They think they're semi-divine. They think they're, they're part fallen angel and that their DNA is different and that, uh, you know, their blood type is different. And this ties to the RH factor thing too. When you start exploring that rabbit hole, which is a whole different topic for a whole different day here. But, uh, this is what they believe and this is what they teach in the secret societies. So the ones in the secret societies and these family bloodlines, these royal family bloodlines that they always talk about, the, the ones in control, they believe that they are the, uh, the offspring of Cain, who is the offspring of Samael, the fallen angel. So they have this divine right to rule. Now, what happened was Cain slew Abel and then uh, Adam and Eve begat Seth. Okay, as a replacement for Abel. So there was this, this bloodline of Seth and the bloodline of Cain. So uh, what has happened with this, and, 
And this is actually probably something that would take more than just a, a couple of minutes to, to explain the whole thing. But essentially, this is, I, I don't want to tie up too much time on that because I know we have limited time here, but that might be something we could discuss another day. But love to, yeah. so you have, so you have the, the bloodline of Cain and that's who these people in the positions of power think they are. They think they're the sons of Cain. And uh, being the sons of Cain, they're semi-divine, or so they claim, because this is what they're taught. Uh, so they have the divine right to rule. So they're different than the bulk of humanity, okay? So they think that that's why they should have free reign to do what they want. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the sons of Seth that came forward, these are the people that, uh, you know, they, they would call uh, the people of the waters of faith, Whereas the, the sons of Cain are the philosophers of fire. Okay, so then you have this, this fire and water dichotomy. And it ties back to these elemental ideas. And this is uh, hitting on those archetypes again, like these elemental archetypes. So they, they refer to themselves as the philosophers of fire. Okay, within these secret societies. They, they associate themselves with the element of fire, which once again, when we go back to what we started the show with, represents intellect, okay? The gift of intellect given them by Lucifer or Prometheus, see? So they, they equate that, whereas the, the sons of Seth and, you know, were the, uh, the sons of the waters of faith. So these are the ones that are, you know, the, the religious, the more religious types, the ones with the more traditional views, uh, the ones that they would call bitter clingers, like Obama called, <laughs> like the, the gun owners and the Christians and stuff a few years back, if you remember, bitter clingers clinging to their guns and religion. See, so this is how they, they view the bulk of us in humanity. They see us as being the opposite. And like I said, I mean, that, that's a conversation we could have maybe another day because there, there's a whole lot that goes with this. This, this stuff here's the thing with, with talking about a lot of this, that like these ideologies and the reasons why they do things, it's not something you could simply explain in like a, a, a 10 minute or 15 minute video or something. And that's where a lot of conspiracy researchers kind of lose the boat or, or you know what I mean? Or lose the, the train of thought on a lot of it. This took me years and years and years of intense, deep diving, deep research to find a lot of this stuff and put these connections together. So to, to try to explain it in like 15 minutes or something, it, it's, it's not going to happen on, on a level where people are going to pick up all the information I'm laying down because you have to kind of layer the information. But I, I just want to give people the basic overview of what the ideologies of these, this quote unquote ruling class are. They believe themselves the sons of Cain and we're the sons of Seth. Okay. okay. Let's, let's keep it simple like that for now. So they think they have the divine right to rule because they're semi-divine and we are just well, little more than animals in their view. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're to be used and abused how they see fit as uh, resources, human resources. And that's how they, they view us. So could this new age agenda that I'm calling at the moment, could that be a, a kind of like twisted version of the sons or sorry, the, the, the sons of Seth? They're kind of trying to be the water version, but it's a twisted version. Or it's like a fake or it's a fake um right. it's a fake choice is is a it's their version of this right which is one of the reasons that they wanted to do this alchemical wedding of the priestcraft with the statecraft because see the sons of cain are the statesmen okay the sons of seth were always the priests so that's why and and this ties back to uh an, another older biblical archetype called uh, melchizedek okay melchizedek was the first priest king of salem 
uh, back in the Bible. And uh, Jesus was a priest of the line of Melchizedek. And this is how the Bible refers to him. So this was the one who was the king and the priest by right, by divine right. Okay, so that's an archetype that they're leveraging off here. And there's also uh, the story, and this gets into Freemasonry. And like I said, this is a discussion that we'll probably have to have another day for time reasons. But it, it gets down to the idea of they wanted to combine the fire and the water together in what's called the molten sea. Okay, and it's an old Bible story. And this is when uh, Hiram the builder was crafting the, the Temple of Solomon. They, they were he was trying to make what he called the molten sea where he would pour the fire in with the water into this, this, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is like a giant tub and create what's the molten sea, which would be uh, like equivalent to uh, like a sea of glass. It would be an alchemical mixture of fire and water perfectly unified together. So a lot of these ideas are very symbolic as well. And that's the thing. That's why it would probably take like a, you know, a good hour long episode to unpack a lot of these ideas, if not more. I do actually talk about some of this stuff on my channel on Rockfin, Alchemical Tech Revolution over there on Rockfin. So I have done some videos on this, but some of them are for premium mem members over there only, which by the way, guys, it's, it's a great, uh, a great kind of uh, membership to get because it's $9.99 a month. And you get everybody on the platform's premium content for that, not just mine or whichever, you know, show you sign up for, but you get everybody's premium content for that $9.99 a month. So it's a great value out there for that if anybody's interested in that kind of a thing. But uh, I do put a lot of that content out because, like I said, a lot of this stuff has taken many years of my life to research and really understand in order to unpack it for people uh, to make it easy to absorb. But uh that's essentially what they were trying to accomplish through what I call this alchemical wedding that created the Vatican, okay, is this combination of the fire and water ideas, which goes back to that older story of the, the casting of the molten sea, all right? So uh, if people want to look into that stuff on their own, it's a lot of interesting reading for sure, but uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's something we, we could totally unpack right here, right now, but it is an important archetype to hit on. It's 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 from what you've explained there, and I've just learned a total force of stuff I didn't didn't understand, didn't know, and the way you explained it there, I totally understand what you're saying there. And obviously, fire and water—it just sounds like a boiling hot vat of mess to me. When you put fire on water, it just boils over, and I, I think that's probably where we're getting right now. If they're doing the two things, look at where we are now. Um, I wanted to ask you before we moved on your take on what Gnosticism is, because I look into this lately and I know from Christian's point of view, you have obviously a lot of of what's written about the Gnostics believing in this matrix reality wasn't people to say that was written by um, their kind of adversaries. And that's not really what they believe. And um, but then there's people like like, like, like the likes of David. Icke. And there's many people that talk about this matrix situation. I don't actually buy into it i don't think it's a healthy way of looking at reality i don't think it's i i see the world as we live on the gar in the garden of eden i think it's a beautiful planet and i think in my mind the way i kind of rationalize it is the biting of the apple the knowledge of the fact that we weren't capable of understanding these big questions without fighting each other and destroying the garden and trying to move the plant pots around that's my analogy in my head is that we weren't ready to understand this stuff without wrecking the garden so just enjoy the garden have a little bite, play the game, but don't 
we're not mature enough to have these conversations and disagree and still enjoy the garden, if that makes sense. But this other version is Gnostic, and I don't know if it's that, that, that what they actually believe because I, you get conflict in things all over the place. They seem to believe at one one level seems to believe or one version seems to believe this demiurge and we live in the matrix if you watch the matrix film that's just this concept altogether what is your take on what they believe is it what they believed or is it what we're told they believe and why is this being pushed so much this matrix version of a hacked reality and the archons and all this stuff well i think the reason it's being pushed is because it absolutely ties in with uh, the modern day technological age that we live in See, so they're leveraging off that archetype to promote the idea of using technology to build this system that they want. Uh, now, as far as uh, Gnosticism, what it is, where it comes from, uh, basically, I would say this is kind of just a ported over version of many of the ancient uh, mystery schools. It's, it's the very same teachings that are taught. Uh, within the secret societies and stuff like that. It's just ported over into another version. And this was uh, uh, picked up by the Essenes and they just described things a little differently and use different words like the word demiurge. I mean, these ideas are older than Gnosticism. Okay. Like it, it, it all has its roots back in the same spot. Uh, so what they've done is they've uh, taken, you know, these things, given some different terms or different words to the same descriptions of things, these same archetypes. And that's the important thing we need to keep in mind. If you, you think in terms of ideology or archetype, okay, uh, it's, it's the same thing. When you look all across mythology, all across religions, all across many of these different uh, variations of teachings, it's all about the archetype being invoked there. So that's what they're, they're invoking these archetypes using different names and terms for them. And now in the modern day, uh, Gnosticism has gained quite a bit of popularity here within the past 20, 30 years or so. Uh, and that's directly because of the associations they've made with it to technology. And I would say the film, The Matrix in 1999, they were trying to tell us something in that film. Okay. Uh, so they're, they're trying to push this ideology, this archetype on the mind of man, but they're, they're doing it and pushing it in a more technologically acceptable kind of way. What they're doing is they're just taking the mythology of old and giving it a new face, okay, that reflects our modern society. So instead of thinking in terms of uh, these ancient mythological gods or concepts of nature, well, they're thinking of it in terms of technologies now. See, uh, we live in a simulation, so they say. Uh, you know, it's, it's the whole simulation idea. Well, uh, all you got to do is think of the, the song, row, row, row your boat. Life is but a dream, right? Mm. Well, this is an ancient philosophy. Life is but a dream. All right. It all stems from the same place. It's just they've given it a modern facelift to make it more acceptable to the people here. And also because they're trying to leverage that idea to push this technocracy system, this transhumanist notion. So that's why I would say it's gathered so much uh, notoriety in recent years, because they're using it to leverage off of the archetype to steer people's minds into accepting this technocracy idea. It's fascinating. Um, from someone, uh, what is your take on what this is? Then? Like, you're a Christian. Um, I mean, and that is such a wide berth of things. What is your take on what's going on then, like compared to the... On that idea of just being a, a virtual reality, I um, a hacked reality or a demiurge reality, and look like the Cathars apparently, whether they believe this or not, 
it is up for debate. Wanted to escape this reality. You needed to get out of here. This was a bad place to be. There's other people that say they didn't really believe that, but um, that doesn't seem very healthy to me. It always, always seems to be about getting out or escaping or this isn't where we're supposed to be or we're wrong and we don't fit here or, or we're not supposed to be here. It doesn't seem very just nice way to live your life. No, and I would say a lot of that is actually a perversion of some of the ancient natural sciences or alchemical teachings. Uh, because, see, our whole point in being here, when you look back on, on these ancient thoughts and philosophies on why we're here, we're here to learn and grow and then ascend spiritually to a next level place. Okay, so these people that want to escape, well, this is just taking a negative connotation from something that was originally intended to be a positive. See, we, we, we live here and we go through this cycle of necessity and hardship. Uh, it's a school. Basically, uh, the world we live in is a school. We're here to learn as a soul, as a spirit, so that we can ascend to something greater later through our experience here. And this is the alchemical philosophy, all right? And they've taken this philosophy and they've perverted it and inverted it from something positive or to aspire to. You see, we should aspire to be better, to do good things and make a positive impact here in the world and ascend to the next level. And they've turned it into something negative, okay? Where we live on a prison planet. How many times have you heard that? Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? It's a prison planet. It's, 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 you know, hellish here. It's terrible. We want to escape the matrix. See, and once again, it holds up these different Gnostic archetypes where they're trying to invoke the idea of the artificial or the, the technocracy here. And they're, they're trying to present that as a type of salvation and it's a false salvation. Okay. And it's directly the spirit of antichrist in my view. Uh, you know, when you're asking about my, my Christian views on this, this has all been thoroughly explained in the Bible. It's just, it's, it's done in such a symbolic way, in a way where people, if you, we don't know what we're looking at, we can't make heads or tails of it. But when you see how these things are lining up now, <laughs> like it's starting to make more sense now, isn't it? Some of the things that are described like in the book of Revelation and in biblical prophecy. And I, I've been a student of eschatology for, you know, a long time, and that's the study of the end times. Uh, so I've, I've been studying that for many years and all of these things fall in line. So whether you're a Christian or not, there's a lot of value to be found in the books of the Bible. And I would strongly recommend pick it up and read it uh, because, uh, you know, the, the spiritual ideas and stuff presented in there are truth. Uh, so, you know, and, and people in all different aspects of uh, occult theology or, or whatever different, uh, you know, moniker you want to give this stuff, acknowledge that there's truth in the Bible, that the Bible represents truth. And there's many layers of truth in the Bible to be garnered from it. Uh, that being the case, um, I see this whole system they're setting up, this technocracy. This is the Antichrist system. All right. So uh, this will be the advent of, of what the Bible describes as an Antichrist. All right. And that means alternative, not necessarily against uh, or, or what people would think, or opposite of, it would be an alternative Christ. And that's what it's setting up. Uh, when you look up the term antichrist, it means, uh, you know, alternative or another type Christ. So it, it's a different ideology from what's presented in Christianity. All right. So it's, it's offering people this false savior instead of the real savior, in my view. And it's, it's, you know, based upon this cult of death, like we talked about earlier, 
it's a death-based system, not a life-based system, all right? Whereas if you follow Christ, you're following the natural order. You're, you're going the way of this alchemical thought of how uh, these natural sciences and stuff work. Uh, he made the way for us. And, and it, we, you know, if we know the way and know the path to follow, and we can know the path to follow, and we follow that, well, that's, that leads to the, this ultimate ascension at the end, okay, that positive aspect of getting out of this place, that ascension, all right, that going to heaven or however you want to term it. So that's what that leads to. Whereas this opposite thing, this antichrist system, it leads to being trapped. And uh, I've, I've explored this idea in my first book, The Alchemical Tech Revolution. I think the transhumanists are literally building their own hell. Hmm. And that's where their, their spirit will be trapped in this hell that they created. Uh, because the Bible speaks of in those days, men will wish for death and death will escape them. Uh, so, you know, if they actually could get away with uploading their consciousness into a machine, like think, think about that. Is that something you really want? <laughs> think do about you, that. Do you think that they're scared to die? They're scared of judgment. They're scared to, to they want to stay, they want to stay alive, live forever because they're scared of what's coming because they know deep down that what they've done, they're going to have to answer to. Eventually. I, I, I think that's a big portion of it uh, because they there, there's a lot of different ideas as to why they do the things they do like that. And I think that plays a key uh, facet into this whole thing is because they do know that at some point they're going to have to answer for the wrong that they've done. And they're trying to avoid that. So if they could, you know, fabricate a way where they can live forever here in the physical or this in the material, the hyper material world. And, you know, they, they see that as being a way to kind of sidestep judgment, but it's not going to work for them. And I think they know that deep down, but they're just kind of trying to prolong uh, the time that they have before the judgment comes so that they could, you know, live out their days here as much as possible in this, you know, perverted system they've built uh, that they seem to take pleasure in for a short time. And so that's the other thing. The Bible warns, uh, you know, the devil uh, will come with wrath because he knows his time is short. Uh, mm. So that's that's the other thing. I, I think that definitely plays a role in it that, you know, they they know that uh, divine law just basically uh, demands that you answer for your actions. So it's it's the whole karmic principle. Once again, so they know at some point they're going to have to stand in judgment for the things they've done. And, you know, they're just trying to put off that day for as long as they can. And I think that is one of the reasons why they're pushing so hard for this transhumanist goal. That's what you just said there before we go. And I just it brings us up to modern times. And I wanted to ask you where you think this is, where you think this is going in the next sort of 10 years towards 2030 is a number that's repeated um, in the research that we do, even on the, the top level. She said it will come with wrath in the last days, almost like the darkest before the dawn. In the UK, we're cycling around, literally around the last, the same five people they keep pedaling out. It's almost like they've got no reserves and they keep pedaling the same five idiots out to do this stuff. You've got Biden over there trying to get you guys to take a, a, a experimental vaccine if you've got a business over 100 people. It's insane. He's an idiot. Well, he doesn't even know where he is. But it, it seems like the last throes of a very, very desperate cult that know that they haven't got much time left. And I think, if for me, they look incredibly 
panicked, desperate, and just really, really desperate. The stuff they're doing is stuff you do when you really are on your last legs. Um, how, what was your take on that? Because I don't think they've got long left. I really, really don't. I'm kind of of the same mindset as you. They, they know this facade is, is it's crumbling around them. They're panicking. They truly are. And like you said, this is like their death throes. They know. So they're, they're doubling down. They're doing everything they can. They're doing stuff. They said, no, we, we won't have to do that. Biden's on record on, on television saying, no, I don't think we'll have to mandate vaccines. That's not a good idea. I don't even think it's something we should do that we can do if we wanted to. Uh, I don't see mandating masks as being a thing either. Uh, they're on the TV saying this. And here they are. A couple months later, they've totally... 180 turned around 180 degrees and now they're trying to do this they're desperate and they know they're losing the battle uh, all you got to do is just even look around like uh, talk to people in your community go on social media uh, there's a great story that came out like a week maybe two weeks ago where uh, it was a, a news station or something put out a call on facebook uh, if, if you know somebody who's not vaccinated, who who got sick with COVID and hospitalized, we want to hear your story. Well, if you look in the comments of that uh, story, it's all people calling out, hey, I know such and such who's fully vaccinated, who died. And I know such and such that's fully vaccinated, that's been hospitalized. I think you need to do a story on that. And that's the vast majority of the comments. It's it's astounding to know how many people are awake and aware of this whole uh, scenario going on. Uh, and that's the thing. And that's why, you know, the powers that be, the media in particular and the, the social media, the ones that control the social media are trying to make us feel like we're the nut jobs, OK, that we're out there all alone in the world. And, you know, everybody else is all accepting of this and thinks it's great and everything else. And uh, that's not true. The vast majority, first of all, they want nothing to do with mandating a vaccine for somebody else. OK, they think everybody should have freedom of choice. And that's regardless of what their view is on the vaccination. If they're pro vaccination, against vaccination, whatever. They think that that's just wrong. The vast majority. And, and so that's kind of the thing. We, I see a great deal of hope here that we could still turn this thing around before it gets absolutely dreadful. Uh, but as far as predicting, you know, what, what do I see by the year 2030 with all of this? Well, if these people get their way and I, I do see us fighting back. Uh, so I think we're going to slow their progress, um, you know, because uh, people aren't accepting it like they wanted them to because they tried some they tried something unprecedented. Let's put it this way. Within the past year and a half, they attempted to do probably about a decade and a half worth of social engineering on people yeah. within the past year and a half. And now they're seeing ramifications for it because they pushed it too fast. See, people are still remembering back at the beginning of this a year and a half ago. Whereas if they did it like slowly and gradually, like they'd done in the past, it, they'd have an easier time having people accept uh, these, the rollout of, of this, uh, you know, invasion of their privacy and invasion of their, uh, you know, their lives. But uh, because they did it so quickly, people are giving them blowback now that I don't think they were expecting. Uh, I think they thought it would go a lot smoother than it has, but there's been enough of us that have been very vocal about this that I think are making a difference now. And uh, that's the important thing. We need to double down now too, uh, because they're doubling down and they're, they're panicking and they're doing everything in their power to try to force this on us. So we need to keep on speaking up about it. But anyway, what I predict, uh, you know, if they get what they want, if they, if they get away with this, what will be in place by 2030 will be uh, 
you'll have probably some kind of a, an implant in your hand or in your forehead, uh, or maybe just a tattoo of some sort or something that directly connects you to your smartphone. And you'll have to have this health pass in order to go anywhere and do anything that'll be directly tied to your biometrics, to your body. Uh, like I said, it'll be tied to your bank account. It'll be tied to your, your credit score, and it'll be tied to your social credit score. And what will happen is if you don't, uh, you know, follow the rules, uh, you could be penalized and they could shut off your transponder so that you can't buy food or something for, say, three days or something like that, depending upon what your uh, <laughs> your, your little crime there was. And uh, it's, you know, one of those things where right now we see this rolling out in places like Italy. They have that uh, the health pass thing on their phone. It's a digital health pass where you have to have a green light on your phone in order to go in and go to work or, or whatever. Or if you have the red one, then you have to quarantine and stay home. See, and they'll do this. They're, they're going to push this. So this is what they're going to uh, do if they can get away with it now. That's what it'll look like by 2030. You'll need to have this... Uh, this chip or, or whatever you want to call it, this thing tied bodily to yourself that connects you directly to the internet of things. And it's, it's biometrically tied to you, tied to your bank account, tied to your credit score, tied to your social credit score. And they'll be able to turn it off whenever they see fit to do so. If you're not being a good little citizen for them. And, and that's draconian control. Now they'll probably give you some really cool tech uh, to keep you occupied at that point, like some VR goggles or something and play a lot of games and, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff, yeah. like Ready Player One type stuff. But yeah, I don't know if that'll be, you know, rolled out by 2030 per se, like in to that degree. But I think they definitely want people tied to the Internet of Things. And, and that's what they they'll have set in place by 2030 if they get away with it, where, you know, you'll have to have this pass this government pass to go and do basic things to earn a living and do things you would like to do and this isn't it, even a stretch of i mean this is what we were talking about years and years ago anyway but now it's i mean we know it's been in china for a, for a very long time for a, a, a good couple of decades anyway but, but it's, in, it's incubated there and now in italy this is not that far away from where i am it's it's utterly insane guys this isn't even a theory it's literally there but not here and you need to realize that this is literally coming to your doorstep um anytime soon and if you allow it to i think they're going to struggle in more places different places than one but i also think that these are such a small group of people you can fit them in a room you've got eight billion people on the planet these people are not capable of herding eight billion people in one room it will be a clusterfuck and that'll be it'll be chaos but they want chaos. They don't mind chaos because then they can offer the solution of you needed this because you can't control yourselves. And um, is, is this the very last question? Then, because I know you're busy. Um, is this the B system? In my view, yeah, this is the uh, the infrastructure for the beast system, the Antichrist system. Uh, this is exactly what they want. They want to have everybody biometrically tied to this Internet of Things. OK, and that's what they're going to achieve with this, with this whole ideology of uh, you get the vaccine. Uh, you have to have the vaccine passport in order to travel and do things. And then, you know, the, the whole uh, social credit score idea that's been rolled out from China and is being ported over to Australia right now. Uh, and, you know, the things going on in Australia, just they turn my stomach. Uh, I talked to a couple different people uh, from Australia and it's, it's 
it, it's sickening. It's it's Nazi Germany down there right now. It really truly is, and it, it's awful. And that's that's coming to the rest of the world here, guys. The rest of the Western world where we live, uh, and you know, if we're not prepared to stand up against it now, it's going to be knocking at our door, like you said, Richard. And I, I can't, I can't, in good conscience, uh, you know, sit back, sit idly, and let this happen without speaking up and trying to do something about it. So that that's you know my my view on all of that but uh anyway i do see a great deal of hope because people are becoming more aware of uh what's going on with this and they, they see you know what i don't think this is necessarily about my health or or about some illness at this point because of these things they're doing it's about control people are looking up to that especially when the things they're telling you don't make sense get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. And then you won't have to wear a mask. And you, you know, you'll, you'll keep your neighbors safe. You'll keep your family safe. Cause then you won't be able to pass it on to them. Guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't work how they advertised. And you know, now their, their solution to that problem is get a booster shot <laughs> and put the mask back on. There's a lot of people that are really mad here over in the States about that, that they went, they listened, they did what they were told. They were good little citizens went and got their jab got really sick from it. A lot of them, some people died from it and some people have permanent damage from it. And they went and they did this and now they still have to wear the mask. And they, now they got to go get a booster shot and they got to show either a negative COVID test or, or, you know, proof that they're vaccinated to go to certain events they want to do or travel on an airplane or, or all these other things. People are getting upset about it because it's, it's to the point it's ridiculous it's ridiculous. And the medical system here is starting to crumble because of it. There's so many nurses and stuff that are refusing to get this vaccine that are just walking off the job. The hospitals, they don't have enough people as it is. And they're losing more. I mean, just in the area I'm in, uh, just uh, recently, like last week, uh, there were a bunch of nurses picketing outside the hospital, like the major hospital here, about the vaccination thing, because they don't want to get the vaccine. And they're trying to mandate that they have to get it if they want to work there or they're going to lose their job. And they have to like sometime in October or something to do it. And if they don't do it, they're being threatened. They're going to lose their jobs and they're out there walking. And there's a lot of them that have made up their mind. If it comes to it, they're walking away from the job. Yeah. So what happens then? Who's going to administer? Who's going to administer COVID tests? Who's going to mm -hmm. administer COVID shots? You see this whole thing, their house of cards is going to fall. And will crumble. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I think they're really, truly panicking at this point, but they're pushing in hopes that they hit that parietal split, that 80-20 split. See, because it, if they could keep the number of us who are refusing to go along with it under 20%, then they could go ahead and pretty much roll out the things they want to roll out. But on the other hand, if there's more than 20% that are awake to it, they're going to have a real problem on their hands and it's yeah. going to crumble. And I think we're right on that borderline now, which is why we need to double down and be more vocal than we've ever been about this still. And I say there's a lot of hope in that regard. But uh, the other aspect of this is, like you said earlier, it's very hard for them to try to wrangle and control 8 billion people. Well, that's another reason why they're pushing this, because they want to depopulate us. And, you know, if anybody doubts that, they, they actually wrote their intentions in stone. It's called the Georgia Guidestones. Maintain the population under 500 million in perfect balance with nature. And that's what it says right on the Georgia Guidestones. So, you know, they, they've written their intentions in stone. And, you know, they've been talking about culling the population for a long time now. 
so this I see is their way of doing it. And it's doing it in kind of a nefarious way where you'll, you won't start to see the effects for probably two, three years mm-hmm. before you see a lot of die off from it. Yeah. And then they'll try to blame it on a new, new strain. It's a new variant or something like that, which is all by the design of, of what they're pushing here. So, but anyway, that's uh, what I have to say about that. It seems like a lot of people are becoming more aware of this and we need to really ramp it up uh, on our end and, and start being, you know, even more vocal about it so that maybe people will actually get that little kernel of knowledge in their ear and think, you know, maybe, maybe this guy's not so crazy after all, maybe I should look into this and they'll look into it and, and see what's out there. It's out there in the, the open public literature. I mean, you can find all this information on this stuff, how, how harmful these uh, genetic therapies and stuff have been in the past in animal studies and things like that, and how it's never been tested and how, you know, there's no actual real control group in the Pfizer studies and, and all of these different things. It's all out there in the open literature. People just don't take the time to really research it. And, and that's the thing we need to encourage people to go look for themselves. There's so much I mean, you can say to the guys. So like, guys, if you're watching this and you're thinking, what the, the simple things are, the, the, the gene therapy, I'm not even going to call it a vaccine because it isn't just because the, the, the Gates funded FDA said it's a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. Even tells you on there, it's got the characteristics of a gene therapy, but they've decided to call it a vaccine, but Gates funds most of the FDA. That's why. Bill Gates, by the way, is a eugenicist brought up in Planned Parenthood. His dad was head of Planned Parenthood. So the guys funding Gavi, funding the MHRA, funding the FDA, funding the BBC, Guardian and other places, and a lot of the the, um, big pharmaceuticals was raised in a eugenics cult. Just that alone should make you not get it and also when you tell you you're going to get it and they tell you it doesn't stop you getting it doesn't stop you passing it on all it does is stop your symptoms being so bad there's two things here one for a year and a half they pushed asymptomatic system um symptoms so unless i'm i'm a bit of an idiot i don't see how you get less symptoms than none and also (laughs) also how can you compare how many symptoms your symptoms you would have had without it if you're unless you live in two virtual realities at the same time, you put Richard A next to Richard B and you give Richard A, you should do this with Dad's Dad's doorstep challenge. Richard A, the, the vaccine and Richard B, the vaccine, submit us to the both the same virus. And then you see which one affects either. You, it's, an, it's an in. You cannot measure symptoms that way because you won't know what you would have got if you didn't get it. Because it's, but this is what they do. They give you something that sounds plausible until you really look at it and you go, well, how would you know how ill I would have been? Well, you don't, do you? Because it's, you cannot measure that unless I live in two realities at the same time. And you watch people when you explain this to them, they go, they, they, they almost malfunction because they can't understand it. And it, it is so bizarre. But what I would like to say on that, just to end it, is that that's how desperate they are because they're lies. Oh, what a tangled web you, you um, weave when you first practice to deceive the web they've actually created is they've caught themselves in it and they're in a real desperate bind now and they're really desperate but as as Wayne said it's the last froze of this I really don't think this is going to last much longer they're absolutely desperate and they're not that bright these people are not bright people they're just mad absolutely insane and mad so we I, I do think Wayne you should be very very proud of all the work you've done the last how many years you've done this because i think we've been out people like yourself 
And everyone who contributes a little bit, and we have all different theories, has stopped the tide of this. We've stemmed the tide, because this could have run over everybody if it wasn't for the people that were the conspiracy theorists, were the researchers, the one that looks that looks into the, the alchemical tech versions of this, and look into the, to the, where these thoughts and feelings come from, where these bloodlines come from. If it wasn't for the researchers that have done this for years, have been called crazy for years and years, this would have been completely easy for them. And it hasn't been. And I think you and everybody who does this sort of stuff should be proud of themselves that we've managed to give ourselves probably enough time to escape it. Um, Wayne, where can people find your books and find your work and connect with you? And I'd like to say I appreciate everything that you do. Well, thanks again, Richard, for having me on. And yeah, yeah, we need to do this more often because, uh, you know, it's hard. Life gets busy. Uh, you're over in the UK. I'm here in the US. It's hard to like really, you know, organize something to, to get together to do something like this. But I, I always enjoy it. Uh, people could reach me. I have a Rockfin channel, uh, you know, over on Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N, if people want to look on there. I do have uh, some free videos up there people can watch if they would like. You don't have to subscribe or anything to the channel. Uh, there's a lot of free content on there you could go in and just watch. Or they do have the option, if you want to sign up for the premium content, you get everybody on the platform's premium content. And there's a lot of great creators and stuff and researchers on that platform as well. I'm there, my friend Jason Lingren from Secrets of Saturn is on there, Crow Triple Sevens on there, um, very many others, a lot of uh, independent researchers who do this kind of stuff uh, are on there and they put a lot of content on there. Uh, that's primarily where I'm at. I still have my YouTube channel called Alchemical Tech Revolution. Haven't been posting on there for obvious reasons because they censor the crap out of you first and foremost. And, and secondly, I, I don't wanna lose that conduit for reaching people. Uh, because whether we like it or not, these uh, social media platforms like YouTube, Facebook, these are the popular hangouts. This is where you're going to get your most traffic, your most ears listening. So to reach that audience, sometimes you got to just be yeah, a little bit careful about what you post on there, but put your links to other stuff on there, on, on platforms where you could speak freely like Rockfin and, and places like that. But that's primarily where people could find me and my books are available on Amazon or pretty much anywhere else you would buy books at this point. Uh, I am working on a fourth book right now. Uh, I'm not sure when exactly that'll be out. It, I'm still in the research phases, and uh, I've been uh, posting a lot of content on my Rockfin channel, looking back at some of the more esoteric viewpoints of this. And I would recommend uh, there's a series on there that I'm, I'm reposting, and it's an old uh, uh, radio show called The Hour of the Time. Uh, Bill Cooper, if you've heard of him, yep. he did a, a series called the Mystery Babylon series. I've been reposting all of that on my channel over on Rockfin for free for people to listen to. And I would highly recommend it if you want to have a, a PhD course in the esoteric or the occult and, you know, how the belief systems of these people in positions of power work. Listen to that. And I, I've posted the first four episodes so far. And I'm going to post the rest on there, including the uh, the 43rd episode that most people don't even know exists called The Darkness. Uh, so that one is will be on there as well. So I, I've been posting those like one a day for the past couple of days. And I do plan on getting the whole series up there because it's foundational for understanding a lot of this stuff. 
so I've been posting that on my channel as well as my own original content. So uh, that's the primary spots where people could reach me. Also, uh, Facebook, I have a page called Files from the Conspiratorium that gets notoriously, notoriously shadow banned all over the place. So if people want to go and check that out, I'd appreciate that too. I'll put all the links below, guys, as well. And, and please do um, pick up a copy of This is the Cybermetic Messiah and I've got Alchemical Tech Revolution here. So when I genuinely do have your books um, and I, I've really, really got a lot from because it was an area that I didn't understand, didn't have a clue about. And after I'd done with the conspiracy stuff, I was like, why do they believe what they believe? And that's where kind of your work has really, really come in the last couple of years. So I would love to chat to you, especially about this, um, about the Kane and Seth bloodlines i think that's the next one maybe we can do that in a few weeks time because i think that is really important the water and fire and also that spells of the duality of what they're trying to create and and i want to push these principles and understanding that this is why these people think if you can get in their mind you can see them coming a mile off like like understanding what a borderline personality is or a narcissistic personality or cluster b personality once you spot these traits you know what to do and they're very very machine like is probably the best way I can put it. So you understand their machine nature. They're really easy to manipulate backwards as well and and um, back engineer their own psychology back on them. And I think that's probably a great way of doing it and a great way to end it. So, guys, thank you for your time. Wayne, thank you for your time. Put all the links below, and I hope you enjoyed this. Please leave us comments, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why. That's just my attitude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.